As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Ross Simmons, current CEO at Big Ant Studios. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Ross Simmons. Hello, welcome to the show. Um, and this is Dev Diary, so a series where we kind of talk to developers throughout the games industry about their stories and what they've done and what's led to the point that they're now at. So uh, the first question that I kick off with every time is your first gaming experience. That What were those formative sort of games that you came across over the journey? Oh, wow. Yeah. So 77 um, would be Pong. That That's what... That's what got me in, sneaking into pubs, playing, <laughs> playing with drunks, beating them out of their money on the pub pong machines. So, yeah, it's, it, it goes back about 41 years now. Uh, were, there any, yeah, were there any that really, I guess that, that big moment we've gone, this is the career path I want to follow, and it was a game that maybe prompted that? Was that an experience that you had, a I think game, or just I, a combination? Yeah, of I think what it was was, you know, pong did it for me as simple as that was a dot meets a number that's of other dots that's not a story like I've, I've heard those I'm sort in. of things in the past it's, yeah. um, it's really interesting now it's like we're, we're here at PAX at the moment and we, we look out on the show floor and there's so many others that wouldn't have had the, you know they're picking up Mario for the first time or something like that that's you know, several years down the line and I don't know there's, there's some developers out there that look like they were teenagers still and they must be talking about their, their first game being a 3D game of some sort and it's, it's crazy how things have come along just over the years um, so we'll kind of go back to some of the origin story and some of few, uh, even some non-gaming related bits and pieces that you've done over the journey where does it all begin you know, on this path that led to two games or where we are now I guess so you know, my journey starts with Pong and you know, going down the pub as I said and you know, I'd be sitting around at 8 o'clock at night in my pyjamas you know, beating beating drunks out of their money on pub pong machines, <laughs> and that's what got me in. Um, but from there, I you know I racked my brain as to you know I'm a 12 year old, 13 year old, and I'm racking my brain as to how can I make games, and it was not really achievable because yeah. home computers didn't really exist. There was a thing called a TRS-80. Yes. So what I used to do is every Saturday morning I'd get down to the um, Radio Shack, which is yep, a, yeah, I'm tan- Tandy Radio Stores, tan- Radio Shack. And I get down there, and I'd, they'd let me use the computer because they were able to sell off it. They'd say, yeah. "If that kid can do it, anyone can." You know, yeah, so, that, that so makes I'd sense. be sitting that's a, there. That's a good marketing pitch. For yeah. Them, yeah. So I'd or sit there, pitch. and the crazy thing is, there was no storage on these devices. So every Saturday, I'd come in, I'd write a game, and It'd then when it was turned off, it was gone. Like that was that was it. So it it taught me about iteration yeah. because I, it was almost like that film Memento where it's yes, fresh again yeah, the next day. One, yeah. You lose your memory and you have to start Stuff all again every single week. But um, I took a paper round. Um, that was a big part of it. Um, I took a paper round not to get the money for the paper round, but to read the magazines. Yes. So okay. I I get in an hour early for the paper round Sift and I'd sit there read the magazines because these magazines were ten bucks and we're talking nineteen eighty one. Yeah, okay. So 10 bucks in 1981 is like a couple of hundred bucks today for a magazine. It's like serious money. So I used to do that, and then I'd write journals of code and pretend to be a computer. Oh, okay. (laughs) Because I couldn't afford one. Yeah, I understand. So pretend pretend to be a computer and run the code through my head. (laughs) That's pretty much how I started. 
Um, and you've explored some other paths, and we were talking about a few of these before we actually hit go on the mic. So you've, you've been in education a little bit. Uh, you've written books. Yeah. Uh, you studied computer science and law, if yep. I'm correct. How were some of those so, different experiences over the journey? In? Most of the other, other things... Some of those, because law, yeah. for example, is obviously one that flies in the face of what we're talking about largely here today, but was there a point where you potentially pursued that and gave that serious thought? Or? I, I actually study law because I enjoy it. Yep. Which is crazy enough. I was, I'm not going to practice. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. going to practice. But you use law every day um, in your thinking and the way that you approach things. It, it's a good discipline. Um, also, law is very much like computer programming, except for more so. In terms it's of like stricter. very defined rules. Oh, it's stricter. Yeah. It's code. If you read any piece of legislation or a contract or anything at all, it actually reads like computer code. It I goes from the, the concept, start. Yeah, without yeah. being an expert in law. It runs, but it runs all the way down and it goes, you know, you start here and then it introduces things and it goes, if this, then that. I mean, that's yeah, it. Okay. Essentially, the it's, yeah, okay. it's law and it's code and they are the same. But the big difference with law, and I always laugh about this, law is the easiest programming you'll ever do because essentially if someone gets you to write a contract yeah. or write something, uh, they'll say... You know, your client would say, is that a good contract or whatever? And the lawyer would just say, yep. And that's the end of the story. If I write computer code and I submit it to the computer and the computer runs it, it's very apparent if it's not very good. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, when, when you find yeah. it, see it rendered on a screen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Makes, and, you know, this, is, this is pretty crap. Or it's great. Um, and Whereas the, in law, you don't necessarily see that follow through. Well, you never do. Yeah. It's just like an infinitesimal number of contracts ever get tested. Between, yeah, yeah, before the ultimate compiler being huh. a judge. Like, that's, that's mostly you just... Really interesting way to look ba- at lawyers basically write loads of crap all their life that never gets tested. <laughs> so And they just get away with it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and they build nicely. Um, so, we're talking about education. Yes. So yeah, so, yeah, I do... I, and we have some common interests when it comes to that. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I really... Uh, I have three daughters um, and a son. And particularly because of my daughters, I'm very interested in getting girls into STEM. Yeah. And... Um, getting girls into the games industry and diversity in general, um, and that starts at school. And, yes, and, those formative you know, years. It has to be, you know, we have to be hitting kids, you know, at four, five, six, seven, and giving them some basic literacy yeah. so that they then can take it on later. If, yes. If we let yeah. it go too long, you know, they're hitting year seven, and if they're hitting year seven without doing stuff, they're very likely to have already formed the opinion yeah. an ill-formed opinion of that'll be boring or that'll be hard yes. or that'll be this or that'll be that so it's yeah, as, you know, as a teacher I see that sort of thing all the time they've, yeah, they've made up their mind before they even yeah. get a moment with me they don't even know they like it yeah, you know, like it's it's that old kids thing of not trying things that they don't like, yeah. whether it be on the plate with vegetables or whether it be science or, or math yeah. or whatever it is. Um, you know, the inability to teach kids how to fail, yeah. you know, and fail and, and, and fail is mistakes, fail yeah. is learning. Um, you learn more from your failures than your successes by yeah. far. So, but you know, resilience with kids and. Being that's able to a, that's risk and try things. Resilience point. That's that's one that again, as a teacher, like I see and deal with a lot, is that they just drop their bundle if if something seems like it's a bit hard. And they they to their credit, the kids I work with, they give it a go. Um, I've never d- dealt with a student in in eight years of teaching that will just flat out refuse because that looks too hard. I've I've either dragged them with me or twisted their arm or whatever it needs to be to get them to have a crack at it. But then if it doesn't work, it's well, I think that's where games head, can help. The head sinks. I think that's really where games can help 
because they play games. Yes. And so you get on that level of, you know, you're sort of you're getting them to learn stuff yeah. without them knowing that they're learning it. Yeah, of it's course. That, yeah, that yeah. incidental learning that they end up at a, happens all the time yeah, in games. They end up at a destination. They don't know how they got there. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like that Matrix thing of I know Kung Fu, right? They end up yes. at that point of going, hey, hang on, I know something I know how here. To do this thing, I, and I learned it, and it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I think games are that instant gratification thing, too, that kids want. Yeah. You know, the unfortunate 15 seconds, you know, it's, sort yeah, of... the accessibility of it. Yeah, it's yeah. like keeping them interested and, and keeping them focused I'm generalising here a lot no, of course. But, but you know it's keeping them interested is tough and games are instant gratification I make something I change something it's on screen yeah. and I can see my mates playing it I can see them enjoying it not enjoying it I can modify it it's an instant feedback loop yeah, and, it, and it's not something that you have in most of the sciences. No, you know, it, a lot of it's theoretical, and you've just got to take it as read that you know rules there are there are atoms and there are electrons and there are protons, and, and this is how it works, that. and yeah. that's it. Which is a, and you've had a few other roles within that uh, education sort of space. So, what what exactly have you done in there? Um, so, um, I'm a director of a school, um, director of um, Mentor and Girls Grammar, um, and a, and a counsellor there. Um, I do a lot of. Uh, STEM talks around yeah. schools, um, principal for a day as well. It's a program run by ACER, the Australian Council for um, Educational Research. Um, so, yeah, I guess I spend most of my spare time actually doing that. And so you still, I mean, you're obviously juggling lots of different professions when it comes to that sort of thing, and you're finding that balance all right and yeah. still enjoying it? Yeah, look, it's a... Um, you know, I get, I get more from probably the things I do in education and general industry support than I do from Big Ant itself. Yeah, okay. You know, Big Ant's a, a reasonably well-oiled machine with really, really great people, um, which allows me to spend more time doing these other things. Um, and, and it's really good to use the Big Ant brand um, in schools and, and particularly, particularly with uh, guys that are into sport, play yeah. our games, but wouldn't look at science. And yeah, so don't, I don't see the link between those and they things. don't, and so it's it, you know I can I can do those things. The other thing is we can use Big Ant to support indies and as we do at PAX and elsewhere, yeah. where it's just it's really given me a great a great forty years, which is like forty years for yeah. me next year or something like that. Um, and it's given me a great forty years. It's given me a great career, um, and I'd re- I really want to share that in terms of it is there is a career path in Australia. You can make games and you can make a good living from it. You can have kids and pay a mortgage, and yeah, you know it's it just works. About how you navigate your way through that space? Oh, you've got to really want it. It's yeah. actually not easy. You know, you know there are there are probably more AFL players yeah. and NRL players in this nation than there are game developers who make a full time living. So you've got to be elite. And you've got to think it in that term. Yeah. So it's like AFL, NRL, game developer are in the same sentence. Yes. These, these are the that's how elite you need to be to do well. To actually crack it and, yeah, and to hold well. on to that position. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So you're an author as well. You've you've yes. got some published books. <laughs> yeah, back in the, back in the day. Well, I think we're so, almost to the games side of things here. But. Yeah, yeah, back in the day. So I I wrote books on. Um, uh, adventure gaming and things like that and programming and machine code for your 6502 series stuff which is like your Commodore 64 sort of stuff yep. um, BBC Micro which was a um, you know, Commodore 64 being a starting point for a lot of people so having hmm. a book you know 
guides and books around that time and be really yeah. important to a lot of other people as well. Yeah, so I used to also, um, I'd print listings that people could, could enter into their computer. I'd print those and sell them at newsagents around the place. Um, all that sort of stuff. This is all early 80s stuff. It's back when uh, there was no such thing as a word processor. So yeah. I'd, I'd actually, I actually wrote all of my books on an old typewriter. Oh, okay. Actually yep. type, typing on a typewriter. Um, there were no printers available. There yeah, no word processors. Um, and then they were typeset, which meant that basically the guy would have moulded blocks of letters yeah, okay. and slide them into a frame, and then they'd print those, those yeah. to make the pages. I, yeah, I did see a little bit of that. My, my granddad um, had written a lot of books about fishing over the years, and he, oh, cool. he really stuck by uh, those same methods well after word processes and those sort of things had, uh, had arrived and were commonplace really and he said no I just, this is this is how I do things it works so I always Hard got, it, was, it was always interesting to kind of get a little bit of insight as to how that worked and like yeah the traditional printing press and the way that stuff worked there, there was so many manual skills involved in that these yeah. guys used to wear glasses that were like goggles you know if you think about um, reverse like binoculars but you're wearing them all day long and they'd slide these letters along to make words to then make a page that would then be put onto a printing press and that's how they that's that's how how they'd make the books but the the crazy thing is that was such a skilled job that below my name so you have the title of the book yep then you'd have the author's name which would be mine followed by typeset the guy who typeset the books all the old books you have a look at them the typesetter the guy that did that work he's credited right below the author because it was such a tough job different time to what we yeah 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 yeah. yeah, 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 we were talking again before it's so easy for people to whether it's uh, books or a whole bunch of other platforms like get their content out there get their works out there so we've come a long way yeah it's great I mean it's great for it to be accessible to everybody Um, but all of a sudden if you can write a blog you're a journalist um, if you can use a word processor, you're an author. It's, you know, it's 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 title, great. Titles and it, are meaning uh, less and less. I think is where we're getting. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a matter of we we're in this age of discovery. It's yes. it's in terms of discovering what is real, discovering what is have, has substances is becoming increasingly difficult. So I love that everybody can make games. I absolutely yeah. love that everyone can make games. I don't like that there's two million games hitting the app store in a year. Yeah, the oversaturation can be a bit it's, of an it's, issue. It's um, really tough, and we, you know, that's, that's an issue for all of us. And because the good quality stuff gets lost in the, the crowd, and um, I'm sure there's plenty of amazing games on the app stores or Steam or whatever platform yeah. it may be that just doesn't get discovered because its name didn't mm. enter a conversation or the you know, right people weren't speaking about it just disappeared. Well, it's it's the the interesting thing for Big Ant is. You know, we're, we're the only independent developer publisher in Australia that can replicate, make discs. And that becomes the curation. So the fact that we put something on a disc now, and there are so few titles being put on disc yeah. in the stores, is curation. It's, we sell three times as many digital products of a game if we put it in at a store. Okay. So right. if you get a retail presence and you've put it on disc... You sell three times as much digital, and that's just about that curation. That's just about that understanding. What's being put People, in front of the yeah. consumer's eyes. So consumers walk into your JB, your EB, and they see this stuff on the shelf. Yeah. And if they're a digital buyer, they go back to the PlayStation. Yeah, they, they see it. It's almost like that huh. in, incidental Coke advertising yeah, and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, that's, that's really you interesting just, way to look at it. Yeah, because you, you just metrics to support it. I you guess. see the product. 
and you've seen it before. So you have that. In, there's a connection. Yeah, there's a connection there. You know what it's like when you go on Netflix and you see them. You know, you spend, yeah, more, you, send, you, send, you spend more time on the Netflix menu than actually watching stuff. You know, <laughs> like even that. Loop. Uh, yeah, we're, we're parents of a newborn, so the wife's at home at the moment and um, spending a lot of time on Netflix. And that is the exact scenario that I've <laughs> that I've picked up in my t- the brief periods now that I'm back at work. Um, yeah, it's a lot of time on the menus trying to work out what to watch and yeah, not that as much time actually so watching. So curation is so hard. Yeah, and, and getting that time in the sun is harder and yeah. harder to get. And, and we're headed that way yeah. with games. You know, we're we're you know Microsoft. Um, we got Microsoft. We got Amazon. Um, Sony already doing it with Gaikai or, or PS Now. Um, we are going to have the Netflix yeah. of games within two years, so even not sooner. Uh, and when we have the Netflix of games, that's going to be an interesting time for us. What's your sense of that knowing what we know about kind of the, the infrastructure that Australia is working in? How do you think that's going to affect a whole bunch of different publishers, big or small, given that there's plenty of uh, people that just don't have the means to be able to stream in such a fashion? Yeah, the, well, I guess the interesting thing is with mobile tech, you know, mobile tech is going to leap over the top of MBN. Yeah. That's not... And it's, if, it's not an if, it's a, matter of when. it's a matter of when. So, you know, we'll have MBN Mobile. <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm sure our government will call it that. Yeah, MBN Mobile or something specific, like that. Yeah. Yeah, now, that's not 5G, it's MBN Mobile. Um, but they're targeting the emerging markets with this streaming stuff. Yeah. So I've seen our games, um, console games, run on the cloud on iPhones. Android devices. Okay. So it, it works. The only issue is latency. It's it's not about the Yeah, that, everything I hear that's yeah. that's the big hang up for a lot yeah. of people. If I press if I press a button, you know, I don't want to be waiting any period of yeah. time before the action you need that is response that's exactly it should be yeah, so you've got to design games output. around that. Yeah, you've got to design games around that. I mean if you look at uh, Clash, the way they've done it, um, is nowhere near instantaneous. Um, but it appears so. Yes. And, the, and the delays when you put some pr- troops down in Clash or whatever, you think that's part of the actual game in terms of the, yeah, the design of the game. But it, it is covering up for the latency. So the delays you get yeah, in how there, you mask those yeah, things. Yeah, the, 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 the delays are there as seemingly part of game design. Yeah. So you're trying to pre- yes. predicting what the other player is going to do. But they've already done it. Yeah. It's just a, it hasn't appeared yet. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah, and no, there's high-profile things about elevators in Mass Effect and all the, all the kind of mask things in the same sort of fashion. So, all right, so we're basically at the point where we're now talking about your actual games or games development career. Um, what, where did it all begin? What did, what did it start with? What was the first published work that you had had, had a hand in? Right. So the first the first thing that would be published would be um, a book I wrote for Z80 on the TRS80. Um, and that was around 1979-1980. So, yeah, next year next year actually is 40 years since I first invoiced someone. Okay. Yeah, so it's four decades since is, I got paid. Is that paid. what you're going to celebrate? 40 years yeah, since, 40 I, years since I got Yeah, 40 years <laughs> since I got paid. You know, 40 years since I got paid for doing something. Um, but I was a child, so I didn't get paid well. Yeah. I can't believe I'm being paid for this. You know, it's that yeah. attitude of, Looking at that oh, my God. Oh. oh, my God, they bought me a computer because I was going to write a book for them. That's unreal. Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's what started. It, w- it was writing books for, for uh, um, some Australian publishers who, who basically were subsidiaries of Penguin. Yep. 
um, Penguin Books, um, and Corgi Bam Tam. Um, that's what really got me going. And that's, that's what gave me some notoriety as well. Yes. So um, we, I used to get um, letters, actual physical letters, because email didn't Email's exist. Email didn't Yeah, email didn't exist. So I'd get the likes of Melbourne House um, sending, you know, they'd, they'd have my books on programming for the 64 and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And they'd be sending me letters about routines that were in the book and solving issues with, with things. Constantly sourcing your feedback. Which is, which is it was really interesting because... Um, the feedback would be it's like they send me a letter I'd take a day to get the letter then I'd take a day to turn it around and send the letter back and so it was basically then they finally get it and they can enact on it but then if there's clarification required yeah 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 so it was interesting it could take two weeks to actually answer a question um, because it was going actually via mail, yeah, mail, like real mail with Postman. In yeah, it. it doesn't just pop up on your phone's yeah. inbox a few yeah. minutes later or whatever. But it was good. It was look. I I think of that time as the really romantic period of of games, where you could do it all yourself. Like I could do sound, I could do the art. I could, you know, you had to have a good imagination. If yes. you were playing the games, you had a good yeah, imagination. Yeah. Um, and certainly now, as time goes on, I think probably every few months, some of my stuff actually gets released free because yep. it hits that period of time where yes, where yeah. it's out of copyright and it's, and it's you know it's legit game exactly all that sort of stuff yeah if you do some do some searches on adventure games and things like that it, you know some of my stuff Someone comes up. up yeah which you know i look at it and go oh my god i was seeing cross-legged on the floor in a in a house 13 14 15 years old writing that thing and now you know? now here it is being yeah, dug up and thrown it. on the internet that's it 40 years later and you know People that people are now emulating a tape drive, so they can play it on their sixty-four. Yes. So where did things progress from there? Um, I did a lot of uh, I, I did a lot of stuff in games and out of games. So um, is this where some of the more <clears throat> studying those sort of things? Yeah. So it's it's a matter of um, I I started having children. All those sorts of things. Um, got married, had children, lived in lived in London, lived in the states. Um, did some real game stuff. Yep. So I worked for the NFL in the US for about five years. Oh, okay. Um, doing real time game analysis. So essentially, predicting in real time, predicting the next play, the offense yep. will run. So I did a. Um, uh, How was that? Because there's a lot of heat on that sport over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like we did a. We were ninety percent. We basically had a ninety percent hit rate of predicting the okay. next play from the offense. Um, is that enough, according to them? I, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. Uh, well, was back in the day. The interesting thing is that the NFL outlawed the software because they were worried that it would become dehumanized. Yeah, okay. The sport would become dehumanized. So they still use the software, but they just preprint all the outcomes. Yeah, okay. And then they look them up. So they're still using the software. They're just to doing it a different way. Oh yeah, yeah, they still just do it to a different way. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't, I don't follow the sport all that much, but. Um I, yeah. I know enough to understand what you're talking about. Oh, the greatest, yeah. the greatest athletes I've ever met in terms of pure power and, and speed. And I mean, yeah, the these, these guys those, are yeah. just unbelievable. I remember going to Pittsburgh Steelers in 93, 94. That's sort of a mid-table team. And they had three wide receivers that could break 10-second hundreds. And at that time, at the Olympics, there was one. Yeah. So, so, you, you know, this is one playing, mid-table playing team. sports that are yeah. actually outperforming those. Yeah, and it's like you talk to them about the Olympics and it's like, why? Yeah. It's amateur, right? And they laugh because they've already been amateurs for three, yeah. four years at college. So yeah, it's we've like, done our time. Let's not yeah, take it's a like, step back. Yeah, so, you know, you've got guys on the line there that could shot put gold medals. You've got guys in mid, mid-table 
mid-table guys that can out, out shot put discus they can outrun in a hundred you know Insane. they're just the cream of the crop they are the best athletes on the planet and they all play in their local league sports for, as opposed to the, yeah, yeah. the Olympics which has this stigma attached to it but realistically yeah I, look there's no doubt once I once I worked with the NFL I really realised that um, the best athletes aren't at the Olympics yeah they try every now and again to get them in like with a try modified a out, modified yeah. soccer yes yeah you know, modified basketball you know yeah it's, 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 but yeah, it's you know, not it's yeah. not really working they've all got their own yeah. they've all got their own world cups yeah exactly so why why take yeah. a step out of their in box? fact you know that leads to more money as oh well. yeah absolutely yeah. but it, and that leads to games you know yeah. the, the IOC are sitting there trying to They're work trying out to the how market. they get esports in because that's where the gen is that's yes. where the next gen is and, and esports are actually a big threat to the Olympics because the Olympics talks about equality and, and talks about um, diversity and, and all the things that the, the Olympic spirit... But they section they section it into Paralympics and they section into men and they section into women and all that sort of stuff. With esports and games, we actually don't need to do any of that. Yeah, it's, just, it's flat. It's like game, men can play, game, yeah. men can play reverence, women that can yeah. play trans, that can play... Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever. It's, it's just purely down to yeah, the ability it's to play like, playing the game. Hey, you, can be, you, could, you could be um, paraplegic and you could clean up at esports. Yeah. Yeah, there's not Which a problem. Which is fantastic. You know. So, and no one would know. You know, and, it, and it's a total level playing field. And I think, you know, the, we've, we've got something on the Olympics if we do it right. Yeah, it's easy to see where the threat lies for them, so... Could they easily be could, bigger. It could easily be bigger than the Olympics. I think, like you said, maybe not that far away. It depends mm. on what they want to do. Well, accessibility. How they want to try to include right? it, yeah. You know, accessibility. How does, how does uh, an Indian guy go to the Winter Olympics? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, how, do, how, does, how do you get the best from Africa into... Yeah, the nature of the beast doesn't... It just doesn't allow for, yeah, for exactly. those sorts of things. Yeah, it's like the Jamaican bobsled. We tend to struggle yeah. a little bit when it comes to things like the Winter Olympics. Yeah. We just don't have the... The Jamaican bobsled team, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like who's got the cash? You know, exactly. who's got the cash to be doing this stuff? Um, and with esports, you know, you could, you could have guys all over the planet. All you need is a PC. Yeah. Right? And like, yeah, that's access it. to a PC. Now, that's a barrier, but it's nowhere near the barrier. Well, it's not the logistical those, thing those starters, which is an important, yeah. an important you factor. You've got PC, you've got a net, got, at, the races. got attitude, aptitude. There you go. It's all before you at that point. Yeah. Um, we'll flash forward a little bit. So we've got, there's, there's Bull Ant for a period there, yep. Big Ant now. Um, how things tracked over over that journey? Because uh, I had, it was 2001 that Big Ant itself actually began. Yeah, yeah, that was Bull Ant back then. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were Bullant Studios, and every time I go to the US, they thought that it, they don't have it Bullants, so they call me they call it the company Bullant. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Bullant Bullant Studios, and I'm thinking uh, I could keep going with that, but then what happened was this is before wireless controllers. Yep. So as soon as wireless controllers came onto consoles, we were going to have a trademark infringement because there was a Bullant in wireless. And as soon as we were supporting wireless Maybe. devices, mobile, and so on, we'd have a trademark problem. Yeah, okay. Where that bull ant that existed in wireless could come at us and say, hey, you're not allowed to make games that are on wireless devices. Yeah, okay. I'm so we took the opportunity right then to go, okay, Get we'll, ahead of it. We'll, we'll change to big ant before, we, before they even talked to us about infringements. Yeah. And they may not have. But, but it, there was the possibility the, that it could yeah, happen. That's right. And I figured Americans would not be able to actually mispronounce big ant. No. It's... Like, it's simple enough. Yeah. 
Two very clear words. Yeah, big. No, no confusion at all. They don't have bullets. Okay. They don't have bullets. They don't have bullet bullet systems. Um, and so there's been there was a period there where you were doing uh, working on some other established IP. We were talking, uh, yeah. we were talking before you worked on Inspira game. There was a Hellboy game yeah. points there. Uh, what were things like in that in that stage? Because obviously it's a far cry from where you are now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think. The studio's kind of cutting their teeth, I guess, on some established names. Yeah, it's a matter of the time. So we're, we're talking about a time where PS1 is on its tail, yep. PS2 is getting embedded, um, and we're transitioning to PS3 a little bit later. Um, and so Australia was a work-for-hire place. Yes. So I went in there and funded for us to do our own IP. And... You know, four years of actually making our own IP and we're just hitting our heads against the wall because publisher would say, we want something brand new. And then you'd show them something brand new and they go, but what's it like? Yeah, okay. So you'd be, no, this is brand new. You wanted something brand new. And it's like, oh, yeah, but it's too risky. What's it like? Because they want to know... They, they need to be able to say it's similar to this in yeah, some way. Yeah, it's going to sell this many units. That's all yeah. I care about. It's like, it's just like GTA, but it's for children. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. how, you know. So we banged our heads against the wall for about four years and did, so what, so did what, our own stuff. So what was that project stuff. like? <laughs> yeah, so that was hard because we're, one of my favourite games, yeah, actually it was like, it ended up being like another game. Um, one of my favourite games... Um, you know, it goes back to the Williams times of Robotron and, and those things, Smash TV. Yep. So Smash TV is one of my favourite games. And so I wanted to make a, you know, a, a running man Smash TV, yes. you know, big money, big prizes, yeah, you know, that I sort of thing. Um, we, and we did that for four years and failed. So four years of running the company with no income and just putting money in. And, and we decided, uh, we, we decided, well, we probably should do some work for hire. Yeah, that way so you can actually keep... Yeah, yeah so that we, can, we can get skills, we can get money coming in. Um, so that's what we did. So we did work for hire. Um, always the goal has been about our own IP, though, and, and delivering our own stuff. I think that's an thing. Sometimes you've got to make ends meet in order to progress further down the line. So. Oh, you've got mouths to feed. Yeah. I, I walk into the studio every day, and it's not lost upon me that, you know, there's 40 mortgages in the studio. They got to pay them. People have got to pay their mortgages. Yeah, they got to pay their rents. They got to pay their mortgages. They got they got kids at school. Wives, kids, yeah, yeah. You know, this is a game for us, but it's not a game. You know, oh, it's 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 like, serious business. I mean, that, that aspect, and we're talking here at a point where there was a whole bunch of conversation about crunch and Red Dead and all those sorts of things last week. But I think the thing that often gets forgotten through the games industry from those who are actually consuming the content is the fact that these these games aren't just coming out on a conveyor belt. The computer does all the work. I mean, doesn't it? Doesn't there's there's dozens sometimes hundreds of people thousands of people even work on these projects that they've got to make ends meet they've still got to live they've got a livelihood they've got families and it yeah, yeah. it often gets forgotten um yeah it's a real shame and i think i think um we're starting to educate a little bit and people are starting to get that understanding of how it all works but i think we're a long way off getting mm. you know that venom that kind of gets thrown around when game x gets delayed and oh yeah and yeah people putting in hundreds of hours and go, I oh, don't care, put in a hundred more so you can get this, get this game to me whenever. Like, we're still a long way off that ah, being look, you, killed off yet. You get the same person saying, I want the game now, ship it when it's ready. Yeah. Yeah, they're totally <laughs> you know, conflicted. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I guess... Look yeah, before I, you leave, I, I he who hesitates I think I kind of fit in that know? camp sometimes. Like, I, I really want this thing, I'm desperate for this thing, but, and that's I think where the education then comes into it. Okay, but you've got 
whatever reasons for this thing not arriving when you expect it or what like the anticipation's fine but you've got to be able to understand when it's not always going to meet your expectations and things happen and Oh, look, just, uh, just the, be patient and wait. <laughs> the, the interesting, the interesting thing is we're we're you know we're into this games as a service age yeah, this model. It's starting know, this, to develop this yeah. stuff. Um, the, the precursor to the precursor to the Netflix for games. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting because we actually tried with okay, well, people don't mind patches, so we can patch it, so we can release stuff and patch it. Um, for most people, that is a topic I want to come back to. Yeah. At some point, uh, so. Yeah, and and. For most people, that works. Yeah. For most people, that's fine. But for some people, it doesn't. For some people, they're like, "You should have waited until it was finished," right? And I think that's a. I think that's because they've been burnt. Because yeah. people have bought games and that don't, and the patches haven't happened. So it's this cycle of they buy the game, patches don't happen because not enough people are buying the game. Right, that, that's yeah, how so something the, is run. The investment's kind of over. Like we, we need to move on. Yeah, we need. Yeah, they Chalk need to move on. They, they, yeah, exactly. And and that's burning the consumer. Yeah. So if there's one thing Big Ant's known for, it's for loads of patches. Yes. So our tennis game came out. Um, it we, needed, yeah, we, might go, we might go to that now. I was, yeah. I was going to talk to you about that at some point, but yeah, look, our tennis, tennis game. Yeah, year. our tennis came out. We we actually did previews in December. Um, it is crazy, but we we did previews in December, and we had a really good game. And the press that came down and people came down actually loved it. And then over the Christmas period, we screwed with the game. How so? Uh, well, we changed things. We thought we were making it better. Oh, as in just the natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, Sorry, right. we, we rebalanced it and we added some things and we took some things away. Um, and it would be fair to say that the changes we made in the December period weren't great. Yeah, okay. They weren't liked. So, but that's what we put on the disc. And so the disc goes out, and there are some issues in the disc um, that were introduced last minute because we're in that hurry to yeah. get it out. Yeah, that was that was but, one of the big questions I had. And I, I reviewed the game for player two at the time, and and it, everything struck me as it was coming in really hot. And um, I was and look, I might be incorrect, so please clarify. Um, it's if I recall, there was still a lot of capture player capture as they were coming in for the open at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at going. Were they were they kind of nudged to get this thing out the door early, no, or was no, there no. any of that sort of stuff? So I'm I'm thrilled that I actually get to talk to you today to actually yeah. get a little bit of clarification on that. But I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what would have happened if they had a few month, few more months or whatever. But it's also interesting that you're talking about that December period, and actually there was a lot of change that went on. In that oh time. yeah, yeah, we screwed up. Yeah, we we definitely screwed up. It was like we had a well balanced game. It was good, and we thought we just need to make it a bit better. Yeah. So guys worked through Christmas to make that game a bit better. They actually and, had the opposite effect. And we had the opposite effect. We tried to shove too much stuff in at the last minute. We should have put out the stable game that people enjoyed in December yeah. and patched it And then it try in. and build on it afterwards. Yeah. But we were worried that, okay, we need to get this stuff in. We need more stuff in. And then you know, we have the problem that the Australian Open um, content needed to be Ready. captured yeah. by the Australian Open. This is a tour. The Grand Slam's a tour. The players aren't here until January. Until time, yeah. Right. And, and then by the time you arrive. capture them, then you're releasing the game after the Australian Open. Yeah. And so you're going, okay, so we can do a really good Australian Open game for the Open that just went. Yeah, which is that a doesn't weird, tricky, make murky sense. territory, yeah. So our choices were we could hold the game until May. Um, capture everyone. Capture everything capture and, and get it all bettered down. Or 
we thought, okay, I think people will be okay with this. I think Australians are okay with patches. Yeah. So that was our gamble. We thought, okay, we'll get a disc out there and we'll patch the hell out of that. And that was always our plan. Yeah. And, and we're oh, the I mo- think you were fairly transparent about that too. Yeah. Like we were getting our codes and there was this, okay, we're looking to do this and this and this and this is all still to come. And that was, yeah. I mean, that was something I looked at. And like, okay, cool. And there'll be a free update plan, this January too. Yeah. You know, this is the crazy thing is we're done. working... We're working on um, updates throughout the year, and we're working on updates for this year's AO yep. that people get for free, that already purchased the game. Yep. They'll get all this for free. Because one thing about Big Ant, we've never charged for DLCs, DLC, updates, yeah. and so on. Um, Microsoft, it was interesting, you know, the ATG guys, the, the, the technology group guys are banging on us going, you guys are releasing too many patches. You know, it's, oh, kill- really? it's killing us. And then you've got the you got the Microsoft service guys, the guys that are like wanting to sell the Xbox platform. Yeah. And they're like, fantastic with these patches. Love the number keep of patches up, you're doing. Yeah. Keep it, keep it going. The support. And so, um, yeah, AO Tennis um, is the most patched game in the history of console. How many patches have actually gone through? 47. Ooh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, and if you think about that, we're not at week 47 of this year, probably. No, it's more than, averaging right. more than one a week. That's right. So we've done an average of more than one patch per week for that game. And the, the funny thing is, With we haven't... We have, and, yeah, yeah. And we haven't patched it now for probably five, six weeks. Minimum. Yeah, okay. I think it's been six weeks or something. So we're doing like a patch every four days. And the funny thing is, you, 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 you get your constituency, your, your audience, get used to this patching stuff. And then all of a sudden, when you miss day five... They're twittering on the Twitter going, What's where's, that, where's that patch? Yeah. Have you abandoned this game? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you kind of set expectations here and then like, for some reason, there's probably a very logical reason why all of a sudden uh, question marks. No, so we're, so we're, we're saying, no, we're betting it in and you're going to get a whole lot of stuff in January. Was there a, was there a consideration to maybe, yeah, obviously 47 uh, patches is a lot. Um, with some of these, you know, we, we might just take a bit longer, maybe it's every two, three weeks instead and there's just more in those oh, yeah, patches. Yeah, we or? absolutely consider doing that. But, but it's like... So it didn't necessarily stop the production timeline no. of what was going on, but you just bundle those things together? But we felt a responsibility to people who had bought the game. Yeah. So get we thought, as soon as possible. Just, let's just incrementally get yeah. it to them. You know, for most of the world, internet's not a problem. Yeah. So we can deal with it. Um, let's just get it to them as fast as we can, as soon as we can. Um, you know, and then we thought, okay, so but the next one, the, the update for Jan... Yeah. Um, we'll make a bigger one. We'll, you know, we'll put some stadia in there um, yeah, okay. that aren't in. Put some competitions that aren't in there. Um, probably some players as well. Yeah. Nab um, a few as they're coming into the country again and those sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. Opportunistic Yeah, take stuff. advantage of it. No, that makes yeah. sense. And then, so we probably will end up with the game we wanted to have by January. Awesome. Yeah, so, and then, you know... Um, we probably won't patch much after January. Yeah, okay. You know, that'll be that bedded down. Move on to as whatever's we, next at that point. Yeah, I mean, cricket's big for us. Yes, um, um, so and I was actually going to talk to you about that at some coming point. next. Uh, obviously, um, big bash there, there, was, there, was, there was a day, uh, there was a period where there was some AFL games and some rugby league live games as well, and that's not the case anymore. They've, they've, they're elsewhere. But um, yep. I, could, I even recall back then, and not having the, even the knowledge of the industry that I, that I did now, because trying to think how old were those when were those games released 2011 yeah it's the highest selling AFL game to date yeah 2011 was people still say to me can you please make it yeah can you make it backward compatible and then every week I get this stuff I've got to say 2011 AFL is the biggest selling AFL game of all time and um, we still get people to that was the first AFL live yeah that was the first AFL live 
Um, yeah, and I remember pouncing on that day one. That yes. Was, well, oh, well, yes. The, well, the interesting thing about that, I guess, you know, we're we're sports nuts. Yeah. So, um, and Carlton's a Carlton. Uh, sorry, Big Anna, a foundation sponsor of Carlton's um, AFLW team. Yes. We sponsor Carlton as well. Um, huge Carlton fans um, at the top of at the top of Big Ant. Uh, me mainly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not, been, it's not been a good. It hasn't been two thousands uh, essentially, look, but it'll, no, it'll no, get no, there. No, no. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. I mean, we've got to rebuild and stuff the, the like that. The semblance of something that. I can see. I can see at the moment. We don't do that. We don't rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do now, but we didn't in the past. Up until my, you know, digress. But up until my son was born, I had seen Carlton win a flag on average every three and a half years of my yeah. life, and so for me, a twenty-year period that we've had without a flag hurts but well, doesn't it's, hurt yes it's 95 and I'm, yeah. I'm a Geelong supporter so don't, yeah, we, 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 I try not to talk too much about 95, 95 but I was also was only crazy. 6 years old so yeah. most of it's a blur well you've had a good run since then yeah well, the last, my son was born in 90, my son was born in 96 yeah okay and so we won in 95 and that was it so oh, see, it, I, was, I was born 89 so just in time for C Geelong and Hawthorne and then yeah the dominance I can, I can vaguely remember uh, 95 and then there was a quiet patch and then 2007 arrived and I've been pretty happy ever since <laughs> so so we had a we, we have a good advantage in that we're a company that sports mad yeah at the top you know like we I've been to the last 20 Australian Opens now I've yeah. been making Australian Open games for 20 years no just, it's only just, just happened the last one, right yeah. so I'm a tennis fan I, I go to the footy every week like I will be in the outer if you're in the outer and it's a Carlton game you ping me I'll be at the game you know that's that's how it is, and you know maybe Geelong and Carlton. I'll have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely, definitely. I went to actually. I went to see Carlton Geelong at GMHBA this year. Yes, first time. Oh, well, I, was, I was there. So we probably certainly you in, you nine in the standing. We're standing in the in the standing area. Or? I was lucky because well, I would have been right there because <laughs> we're because spon- we're sponsors. Oh, I was yeah, lucky okay, enough yeah, to have a nice get perched up a little bit. A nice little um, a nice little spot um, behind glass, but. I mean, generally, I'm in the outer. Yeah. Generally, I'm in the outer, and I prefer that. Like, yeah. I'd rather watch the footy than... Get caught up in get, the, the hoopla know. that goes with yeah, everything else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, but, yeah, next time, we can't play Geelong. Yeah, look yeah, sharp. Yeah, we'll, I'll reach sharp. out. Um, but, yeah, we only lost by nine points. Yeah, they, they I don't really, know if you remember. They gave me a little scare, yeah. I don't know if you remember. I was a bit anxious but, at that point. Yeah, I'm friend with some ex-Geelong supporters uh, and players. Yeah. And so, I actually, got ex supporters. What they're jumping off the ship? Yeah, I meant to say, <laughs> I meant to say players, um, ex players, and um, they actually took me down to the um, bowels of the Geelong past yeah. players. So at half yeah, time, my, my granddad's a past player. Oh, so cool. I got to kind of way before the renovation. They had that dinky little wooden stand, and I got to sit there and you look around. The Sam Newman. Well, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Then you know that section underneath the oh, stand. Yeah, I haven't seen it now that they've done all the reno work. But oh, cool. Um, Oh, you, you've got something uh, to look forward I'll, to. I'll have to hit him up to try and do that. No, no, no. Time. He can do it. As a past player, you know, That's he can take you down there. Yeah, yeah. He can definitely take you down there. Yeah. And it's it's worth seeing because they've got the mortgage documents from the old ground and they've got the council documents from the old ground and stands and all that sort of stuff. Um, I remember as a kid, actually. It's hard to digress here, guys. No, no, that's, but, that's you know, fine. With- but, um, yeah, I remember being part of the Carlton Cheer Squad growing up and uh, we'd be coming into Geelong and the train had slowed down. None of us would buy tickets. We'll jump the train. And so 
we're jumping the train to Geelong. We know the ticket inspectors are at the Geelong station. Yeah. And we have no intention of paying for anything. <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, it's Carlton yeah. Cheer Squad. It's like we're on a rampage in Geelong. We're not going to pay them anything. So We don't do Geelong. What's, yeah. what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what the story. No, we used to play Geelong once a year, yeah. right? And we used to play at Carlton once a year. It was home and away, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock, every game. Yeah. All games, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So we'd be running into Geelong in the V-line train. And it'd slow down just as it wooden gates at Geelong. They'd open these wooden gates yep. into the Geelong station. And um, the train would slow down enough. And as soon as it slowed down... We thought it was safe you'd have, to do. You'd have 200 Carlton supporters... Jumping off. ...with all their paraphernalia and all their cheer squad stuff all jumping off the train <laughs> <laughs> all at once. It's like a denial service attack for the ticket inspectors. Yeah. It's like, you could catch one or two, but you're not going to catch gonna anyone. Us, you're so not going to get the rest can, of us. You can try if you want. Yeah, that's it. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. We used to invade Geelong a little bit until we got to the until we got to the stadium in which we were outnumbered, you know, 50, yeah. 50 to one. Well, but yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, old days. But the reason I mention is that, that we're passionate about sport. Yeah, and you know we got just as many pa- guys that are passionate about rugby league. And um, with the game analysis stuff I did with the NFL, and. We've done some analysis stuff, actually, for St Kilda when Ross Lyon was there. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, we used to do um, game analysis for, for them and for Fremantle yep. when, he, when he went when to he Fremantle. Um, we know the game intricate, intricately. Yeah. We're passionate about the game. Um, and, and you bring those things to it. Then yeah, and I think really that, that 2011 game that was made in 2009, so we made it in 2009-10 and, and released in 11, I think, um, that game really has a lot of game analysis in it yeah. like crazily enough I, I've, I can vaguely recall yeah, a lot of that yeah it's it's a game where the AI is unlike any other AI in any AFL game that's yeah. ever been produced um, because simplistically if you don't understand the sport you'll get 18 one on ones yeah it's it's not it's not footy yeah and it's, it's not it's how certainly it's not modern footy that's yeah, for sure no <laughs> uh, so yeah, look, we're, it's probably one of the games we're most proud of. Actually, is the 2011 AFL, and we get so many requests. Make it backward compatible, but just so everyone knows, it's not our game. Yeah, you know, we don't own it. Um, it's uh, owned by HES, and and if people want to have it backward compatible, they would have to, have to ask for them. Rally someone else because yeah, the number of times I get an e- I got an email last week. My Xbox 360 has died. I don't want to buy another one. Can you please make it backward compatible? So people actually, you know, Still buy old consoles. Yeah. Is, which is nice. Which is good. No, it'd, it'd be nice and validating, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then those games kind of stopped, both rugby and AFL. They, they stopped there. And yeah. Well, AFL stopped um, in 2011 for us. Um, rugby League, we released up to last year. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Rugby Sorry, League Live yeah, 4. But, you know, one of the, one of the issues is we've, we've become a publisher um, and uh, publishing at retail ourselves and replicating ourselves. Um, if an opportunity comes up to, to do those games again, we'll do them. But at yeah. this stage, it's not on the drawing board. So obviously we spoke about AO Tennis and something that's kind of become, I'd, I'd personally describe, some, some of your bread and butter in recent years has been some of the cricket games. So yes. Bradman and Bradman 17 and Ashes Cricket most recently. Um, something like, oh, I, I love cricket and I... I keep banging on about in some different podcasts that I make cameos in about Shane Warne Cricket 99 being one of the best yeah, of all time yeah, and it's, yeah. all, it's all with ham-fisted but anyway um, Hey, there's, everyone there's loves been, their childhood games Yeah, like, uh, there's the nostalgia factor but 
I, I've been seeing this this gradual, continual improvement in what I like the quality of those games in recent years. It's it, it's fantastic. I'm playing them more and more. I used to just jump on these cricket games, whether it was Shane Warne or anything that came over the years, and smack the ball around for a little bit. And like, okay, it doesn't quite replicate the game because I can almost hit any ball for a six. Yeah. Um, now you can't do that. Like there's you've done like that balancing's coming along and everything's feeling really good to play. So how's it kind of been internally as you've seen the gradual refinement of what you've been doing with those cricket games? Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting because it's a, it's a little bit almost like AO tennis, but on a longer, longer scale. Yeah, longer tail. So Bradman fourteen might be the best one we've made. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah I guess I mean I, I spent a lot of time with that. And I spent a lot of time with the most recent Bradman and then Ashes, and I sit there and go. Ashes any day of the week. Yeah, I think we've got ashes there now after patches. Yeah, but I I, I think I I guess I say that in terms of relative difference. Yeah. So there was nothing like Bradman. All the other games were point and click. I want to hit it here, and if I time it, there it goes. Right, it'll sail over the fence. Yeah, that's right. So it's kind of point and click. And maybe I'm being a bit too simplistic there, but it is certainly rock paper scissors point and click. It's rock, paper, scissors. Point and click, whichever way you want to look. It's very, very simple mechanic. Yeah. And which is great for the broad audience because it's pick up and play. But for longevity, for you know, getting some depth out of the game, um, you know, it's just not there. So, you know, Bradman, probably the relative difference between it and the previous was such that it's probably the biggest breakthrough that we've had yeah. in cricket games. For, I certainly recall a lot game. of people talking about it. So a lot of friends that didn't really play games all that much, but were really into their sport. They'd have their maybe their PlayStation, but you know, gather dust a lot of time. They were racing out to go grab it, and they'd sit down and they just like, you play for hours, up and they'd play for hours and hours, and they're talking <laughs> yeah. about all that they did. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing to see jump. blogs. Right. <laughs> amazing right. to see blogs where they, you know, I'm, you know, I'm three for ninety nine, and I've got to get five hundred, you know, and you see all these blogs about how they're doing their run chases, yeah, and stuff, and we've. There's an amazing summer of cricket coming. Like this is a super this, intriguing one. Locally, this yeah. this one is big. It's so BBL. So we're doing Big Bash Boom. Yes, um, that'll be at retail and, and it's on Switch. Yep. So you can use the Switch controllers, so you use the motion controllers to bat. Oh, so I didn't realize you could do motion with it. Okay, yeah, that's, motion that's control. Yeah. So uh, you have you really want you can you can bat and bowl um, physically, and not just use the thumbsticks, but the Big Bash Boom really is uh, NBA jam for cricket. Yeah. It, it really is point and click. That is it a, really is a good little tagline to use for that one too because there's a lot of cachet for NBA jam when it comes yeah. to NBA jam. Yeah, it's crazy. The, I don't know if you've seen some of the duck videos, but you can actually... You get a duck, yeah. and the, this cute duck comes yeah, behind you, yeah. and, he, and he actually taunts you. Good. <laughs> like pushes you off the field, gives you a kick but, up yeah, the I've butt, seen a little bit similar. all that, that sort of stuff. That is something I do recall from what um, I saw. And then, so we've got power-ups. For example, you can do things like if you're bowling and you, and you get to the stage of using a power-up, you can do a power-up that turns the pitch on fire. Yeah. So it means you can't run. Yeah. You can only hit yeah. fours and sixes. Go to the fours and sixes, that's it. Yeah. So you, you can't run because the pitch is on fire. And obviously All those fight, sorts yeah. of... And, it's, yeah, it's that fun that you can have that you it's can't family. do with the traditional yeah. cricket game. Yeah, it's family. Yeah. It's, it's centred straight around the family. you had big bash games already and they were... Or mobile, mobile yeah. yeah, and they were they were really marketing. Yeah, so they're free, entirely free. Yeah. So if people want to get an AO game or BBL, um, they're entirely free. 
with yeah. no paid updates or anything. It's just all free. And with, with the intent to build towards what you've now, what you're now about to release, um, or it's just on the BBL, no. Um, Amazingly, amazingly enough, Cricket Australia have decided that there'd be an Indian company they'd like to make their mobile oh, game, okay. which is pretty damn crazy. Yeah, okay. Um, but anyway, that's what they've decided to do. Um, so we're not doing a BBL game for mobile. It'll be interesting okay. to see what, what happens with that. Um, we're definitely making the licensed BBL game for console Good. and Switch. Um, and we're making an Ashes game for next year. So Excellent. The the the... The Ashes game's actually been worked on for about like the last two years. Yeah, okay. essentially, it, it's probably going to. Yeah, it's going to be. It it'll be the biggest update to cricket games since Bradman fourteen. Okay, so Great. yeah, we've good. we've set a target of. Like, Are we looking forward to following that one depth. closely then? Yeah, the, it's the depth in it. Yeah, that was that was the big thing for me. Like I could see this increase in depth, but if you're talking about this being a significant jump again, that's that's really interesting to hear. That's a it's a really see how it all plays out. It's a big increase, and and the stuff we're doing now with Clayface as well. Um, So in AO Tennis, um, you can up like you can upload photos of players, right? So we've got the same thing happening for Ashes. So yeah, you've got the licensed Australian team, you've got the licensed uh, English team. Um, and we'll do the photogrammetry. We're yeah. flying to England and capturing them all capturing in, in January. Yeah. Um, so that'll all happen as we did last time. Um, but also Playface will be in there and uh, an increased um, an increased res Playface so that there will be on the Academy, our, our downloadable yeah, okay, service. Um, there'll be better stadium creators, better logo creators and Playface. So I would say there'd be representations of every field, every pitch on the planet. Good to hear. Uh, and probably every team, I would say, would be pretty much photorealistic, I would, I would think. Because um, it's a big summer. We, we've got the BBL, which has been extended way into February. Yeah, that's just growing and growing and yeah. growing. And then it? we've got the World Cup in England, um, which is huge. And then that, and that actually leads into an Ashes in England. It's, it's like kind of there's like for a period there's, there, yeah. there's one month without cricket. You Which know. my wife will be. Celebrating, That's all right. There's sure. a, no, there's <laughs> AFL AFL launches in there. Yeah. So the month the cricket's not on is when the AFL season starts. It just doesn't just doesn't end. Yeah. Be. Carl Richmond first match. Saw it last she's, night. She's okay with footy, but um, cricket's a bit too much for her. But so why Geelong? She'll, she'll be celebrating. Why, why Geelong? My granddad played for them, so yeah, yeah. Of course, she says. I was, yeah, was going to say you're not down. You're not down Geelong. Born mate. into it. I mean, Geelong's only an hour up the road from yeah. me where I am, but yeah, born into it. And it, was, it was never going to be anything else. Yeah, and it's so like my poor long-suffering children, born into Carlton. They'll, I'm they've sure seen, soon enough. Seen zip, soon enough. Seen soon ducks. enough. All those number one draft picks will pay off to something. Yeah, apparently. Um, and there's been some other, I guess, non okay, games that we wouldn't necessarily. Or sports, I should say, wouldn't necessarily focus on too much in Australia. But uh, there's the Casey Powell lacrosse. Yep. And TBD, but a gridiron game, is that correct? Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's um, still, okay. Yeah. Okay, so the interesting thing about lacrosse is there are so many similarities to AFL. Yeah. So I was able to take a lot of the AI and, and the work and of, of that and get across in, in, into lacrosse. The other thing is we don't know lacrosse. Yeah. And it just happens that one of the foremost authorities on lacrosse and the best player they ever played, like the Don Bradman, and I hate to use other sportsmen yeah. in the same tense, but the Don Bradman of, um, of lacrosse, because he is the Don Bradman of lacrosse, I'm not saying they're equal, but the of his of sport. Point. Yeah. <laughs> his, 
there's no equal for Don Bradman in probably nearly all sports. Yeah. And I wouldn't say Casey's the the equal of of Don Bradman. The best parallel you but can make, yeah. he is the best that's ever played lacrosse. By so far it's not yeah. funny. Like the guy has achieved every single thing you can achieve, you know. And he reached um, out. Yeah, well what happened was uh, we got him and also Carlos Sinceri in the US. So I'm talking away from the mic. Um, Carlos Sinceri in the in the US. He's been making mobile lacrosse games for, for years and years and years and wanted to make a console game. And I said, you know, I basically said to him, no, 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 it costs too much money. You don't want to do that. You know, it's like, you know. And then he finally convinced me. I said, look, I don't want you to bet your house, you know, because we're 50-50 partners in it. Yep. I don't want you to bet your house on something that may not work, right? There hasn't been a lacrosse game. And it, yeah, may, not, yeah. it may not work, yeah. right? And you're going to lose a whole lot of money. And he's like, he, yeah. He wanted to do the, do the thing, and I'm like, okay, I'll risk it with you. We'll do it together. So we're 50-50 partners because he knows lacrosse backwards. Yep. He's a coach, a player, and he knows it backwards. And we have Casey, who's the best player that ever played. So it was like if there was ever going to be a lacrosse game that works, this, this is the opportunity. This is the try, one. Yeah. And, and the fact that the AI is so similar to AFL. You know, it's it's really very, very, very similar. The way that Made the, the way is a little bit easier. In some yeah, ways. the way the the way the players move um, and man up, where often man on man, often zones, yes. often push in, often push back. It's you know, it was Works very, similar sort very, of, very similar. similar. Sort of way. Yeah, so that's why we did that. Um, I'd love to make it. So obviously, they yeah. were talking about it being a higher risk sort of thing. There did it work out in the end? Oh yeah, it did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy how well they did. Good to hear. I mean, we made a made a sequel. Yeah, yeah. So typically, if you make a sequel, you know the first one worked. Um, but then with the gridiron or American football, it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, having worked with the NFL for five years. It just Got makes, an investment in the game. It makes sense. I know that game backwards. I mean, it's ridiculously yeah. how... Well, I mean, that's, uh, you'd have to with the nature of what you yeah, do right. within I was, space. Yeah. yeah, I was predicting the next play an opposition would run. I know the game backwards, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, that is the job. So, yeah. So, yeah, I would love to make a gridiron game. I don't think we'll make it with the current partner that's listed, yeah, okay. listed up there. I'm not, to be frank, brutal... I'm not sure about them. I okay. really, you know, I really don't know um, whether well, it's the right pairing. where it's the right the right guys to yeah, okay. to go with. Um, that's down to their fundraising. I'm not sure about their yeah. fundraising, what they're doing, and what they're promising. So, um, might be too hot for us. Okay. Um, so, I guess one of the, I guess potential challenges maybe that you'd face with a lot of the, the different games you've developed over the journey, the fact that there's a a conversation that might happen externally. This is by the players themselves. Where you know, in terms of, this is what EA and Two K can do versus what we're getting. And I, uh, some of that maybe is determined a little bit by the reach of the sports themselves. But ha- um, how have you found that sort of external conversation that might go on over the years? Uh, I, I handle that front on. It, it, it's as simple as this: when one NBA player earns as much as all of the AFL players combined. So, like seriously, if you if you if you want to come into if you want to come into my area of expertise and talk about payment and what's fair and what's reasonable and what people should pay and how the economy works, I mean, I can lay that out for you, but you can't compare. If you're mathematically makes sense. Yeah, if you if you're getting if if you know there's a transfer fee uh, of a soccer player 
that equals multiple years of the income of the AFL players. Yeah, we talk about, oh, Gary Ablett's earning this much, but that's, Seriously, that's nothing. When, when, you, you, when you get hundreds of millions for transfers, not yeah. even player payment, just, just transfer transfers, and they equal all of the salary caps of the AFL and the NRL combined. And so you just look at it and go, okay, so you want to draw that fiscal parallel. Why aren't the games here as good as those games? You know, we could actually make a game as good as those, but you need $40 more million. And for as long as... That remains the case. Yeah. For as long as sporting organisations say that they want to capture the youth, say that they want to engage them and they want to give them games. They're still dictated to by their bottom line. But then actually go, how much money am I getting for this game? The smart organisations are the ones that are going, this is a marketing exercise. If we break even on it, we've done well. You know, it's a marketing exercise. No one knew what a FIFA was 25 years ago. Yep. If you said to... People knew what soccer was. They know what football is. But if you said said to people, what's FIFA? Like the Federation of Football, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's like, no. They're the bumble along. You get a few that might know what's going on. Yeah, if if you're well into soccer, you might. Yeah. But no one in Australia knows what FIFA is. There are parents that know what FIFA is. Uh, and, and they, the games, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they know, and so that's the branding thing that FIFA did. They realised that in the first instance, they gave it away. In the first yeah. instance, it wasn't a revenue play; it's a marketing play. Just get it in front of people and, 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 and start to build. And it's so surprising that sporting organisations around the world, and particularly in Australia, and the AFL in particular, have it as a revenue item. Yeah, okay. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely it ridiculous. That way, yeah. Give me FIFA. And give me money. It's like, no, FIFA, one of the largest organisations in sport in the world, gave it away. And and the funny thing is, that was 25 years ago, right? And it's had a long time to develop and gestate over the Well, over the journey it's too. 25 years ago. So if you're a sports administrator, they did 25 years ago what you needed to do last to year, the year before, and the year before, yeah. and the year before. There'll never be a good AFL game. There will not be until it's a marketing of that sort of yeah, until it's anyway. a marketing exercise. It's that simple. Yeah, understood. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, there has to be a significant investment. Yeah, you know, be prepared to. Oh, look, be patient and take yeah. the time and give it the TLC that it we deserves. have to do. Multiple years, it has to be a non-revenue play. You have to do it right. Yeah, and yeah, you've got to do it with people who are passionate about the sport. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, it, it's you know when when the you know we've had versions of the game where you kick a goal and the whistle's blown. Yes. You know what I mean? Get real. Seriously. Yes. <laughs> Have any of you guys ever seen a game of footy? Like, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's... And I hate to be pointed about because I know them, no, no, but yeah, they're, 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 they're kind of our opposition, but they're not our opposition because we don't make those games. Yeah. But it's like, as a fan of the sport... You do, you do sit there. You look there. at it and you, you pick the teeth out. No, I completely so understand. You can, so you can have bugs yeah, and, you can have fail, and you can have failure and things like that. And that's it, where the it, whole patch is uh, thing comes and, back to. Yeah, like you can, you can have that, but you can't have things that don't exist. Yeah. Like, because that's soccer, yes. right? You score a goal. In fact, it's nearly every sport in the world except for AFL. It's one of the unique things. You score a goal and there's no whistle. There's a flag Waved, Waves around set of flags, back to the middle, and goes back to the middle. There's no whistle, yeah, and it's unique. That's, yeah, I hadn't actually that hadn't occurred to me. And it's, it's never unique. Something that my mind. In the and when you hear it in a game, you go, "What the?" Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that shouldn't happen. That's not slipping through. That's like everybody knows this. Yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb. 
oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's really not what I'd consider before. Yeah, and it's, it's, well, what it does is it gives you the capacity of the individuals that are making the game, and you go, okay, so this is a job. Yeah. Rather than, you know, something born out of their passion. And so it's going to be formulaic. It has to be, because yeah. they don't have that, that passion. So I guess we start to wrap things up, uh, kind of almost rewinding a little bit back to your, your story. What are some of the most valuable lessons and experiences you've had over the journey? Have there been particular games or particular moments that have really accelerated or had positive, negative sort of effects over the journey? Some that really stand really... out, something going gold or the... I mean, you spoke about AFL Live and the success of that. Like those sort of things, have they really... Yeah, look, any uh, you big know, moments the, the legacy from AFL Live is absolutely awesome. Um, Bradman 14. Um, there are landmark moments where we've been able to say, okay, we're going to do it different. We're going to, yep. we're going to put our stamp on. Um, we're the first guys to, you know, it's amazing tech stuff sometimes gets you, gets you across the line. We're the first guys to do cross-platform UGC yes. in terms of so you can make players on the PC, Xbox, PS4 and, and share, them, yeah. share them all the way across. And we did that with Bradman 14. Um, so there's some landmark Way stuff. Way the cross-play conversation even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, so the crazy thing is we've, we've done some really interesting stuff and put our stamp on games, um, you know, where, you know, it's, it, the cool thing is it's led other people to follow. So we have the academy. Yep. So people have copied with other yeah, things across platform. Um, and they've been able to use us as that, hey, they're doing it. So, let's, so let's, let's you, follow that you, pathway. you need to let us through it, because yeah. Sony and Microsoft and and all the rest of it um, have certain restrictions on cross-platform and yeah. so on everywhere in the history. Those walls are starting to break down, from what we can gather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it, can, it can take time though, still. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing is we did that back on the 360. So yeah. we did that back on when the 360 was king and PS3 was second, then PS3 was first and Xbox. So depending on who's in play as to who allows it, you know. Yeah, no, they're prepared but to play ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, I, if you've got the you've got the less reach, then you're looking to you want it more. make some more you, bold. You, you want it more. Ideas, yeah. Because yeah, because one of the reasons people buy a certain system is because their mates have got a certain system. So if you allow cross platform play, then you take that out of the equation. Yes. So if you've got an 80-20 in terms of 80% on one system, 20 on the other, then everyone's going to buy the 80 because everyone's bought the 80. Yep. But if you have cross-platform play, yeah, I can buy that. I can buy that Whatever, yeah. machine, and I can still play with my mates. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that that is a big topic at the moment. It's one that yeah, will have wider-reaching impacts mm. once. There's more some to of the it. Break down. There's more to it than given credit, actually, yes. though, because it's not that easy, because. If I'm on an Xbox and I'm playing across with someone on a PS4, PlayStation have no ability to block this guy. Yeah. They have no ability to ban him. Yeah, they, they have they, to. They can't message him at all. They can't do anything about this guy. They can't even say was, who he that is. That was PlayStation's pitch when the first, like, I can't control Person X who's it's saying true. I'm doing this in it's Minecraft. True. And it's absolutely true, and it still remains true today. So the, it made sense. It was just one that people weren't prepared to. They're not take on I guess I know but they got it because yeah. we've got to be safe you oh, know yeah. like we Priority's have to provide safe places experience for people, yeah. we have to provide safe places for children um, you know the whole range we've got to make it the safest possible place it can be and cross-platform play has its issues yeah it definitely has its issues there's a lot to be resolved before it can so, really take off so it's really easy to cross-platform play you can accidentally do it 
as like as really fast. Happen, I know. Though. I mean, we've done it. You, yeah, you, do it, you do it in dev. Yeah. You don't let it out there to the wild. Well, I mean, there have been public ones that did happen, like Fortnite. They pressed a button or whatever yeah, whatever right. might have happened, or quote, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, you had a couple of hours where they were all playing together. And that's because the the act of cross-platform play is blocking the other platform. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a matter of doing something. It's a matter yes. of taking the block away. So that's how it can happen. Let them in, sort of. Yeah, but yeah. Then, then it's a free-for-all. It's a real problem because yeah. it's a free-for-all. It means I don't have a contract with you and you can't do anything to me. Yes. So you can't ban me. You can't do anything. We went through it before. Yeah, but you laugh in their you know, face. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, the abuse would be substantial for those who want to abuse. Yeah. What have been some of the hardest lessons over the journey that you've learned? Original, original, IP, sort of original IP. Original IP. So tough to get up in our space. You know, it's it's original IP is so risky. Yeah, well, there's a big investment, like you were talking about before, when you're talking to you know publishers. Like, Give me a parallel. What is what is it like? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, GTA for children. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, that'll sell heaps. You know, it's yeah. A shoot, we actually did a shooter for children. Yeah, which, okay. which was a water pistol game. What was that one called? I'm um, soaked on the Wii. Oh yes, okay. And and so that's how I pitched it. It's a shooter for kids, but you know, it's it's a water pistol game. And you and you and you sort of yeah you sort of uh, I never pitch it to the broader audience like that, but certainly to publishers you go it's a shooter for kids yeah I mean the way you deliver, attention the way you deliver a message to a publisher would be very different to the way you yeah. deliver to the consumer so, so that makes sense it's water pistols on robots yes actually that's what it <laughs> is but otherwise known as a shooter for kids if I'm talking to a publisher some treasured memories over the journey some particular highlights? yeah loads I, I think every time you see a game on a shelf. That's it. Yeah, I, I wish I wish I could say it's different, but everyone's in the trophies. I'm no different. Yeah, you do something. You see, you see a piece of art that you've made, and when someone in the wild picks that off the shelf and buys it, it's just cool. So is it the sort of thing? And that goes back game, to books. Game X releases, and you're lingering around the nearest EB or JB, uh, just looking am, to see. How I spend my are... life in JBs and EBs anyway, just just to see what's going on. Yeah. You know? But this and to see what they to, to see what's on the shelf, yeah. and how they're doing, and, and what's moving, what's not moving, Actually, and merchandising, the, and I can understand all that, that sort like of even, stuff. Even with like, I get all my press releases, and I get all this, and I make it my business keeping the news, and yet I still wander around the store and with no intent to buy anything because I've already got it or whatever the case may be, and I'm just looking to see what people are doing and picking yeah. up and what sort of conversations are going on, and you hear some ridiculous things, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It is funny. Oh, I heard it from such and such. Yeah, right, I mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. But Apparently, Red Dead has a 50 gig patch. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, sure. I believed that up until the time I got it. Because I, it, people were saying it. becomes it. such a... Like, the conversation it was goes everywhere. on so long that it people buy into it. Yeah. It was like, I'm going, hang on, there's a 90 gig install, there's a 50 gig patch. Oh, my God. How? What are they doing? <laughs> in a, what in have a, they done? In Australia, it's like, man, that's going to be next week for most exactly, people. Exactly, for a lot of people, non-MBN people, yeah. Especially when, actually, they hurt themselves a little bit when they offered it early because of the patch. Yes, okay. and that that helped Further propagate that. Yeah. Whereas you know, it was only four gig or something. Yeah, it was. Tough. Okay, I can't remember, but yeah, um, I downloaded it for the PlayStation yesterday. I, I picked up my copy the day one of PAX. Well, my actually, I called in family to do a favour for me, pick it up, and I got home from night one and sitting there, I put the disc yeah. in three gig. Oh, okay, right, nothing to it. Yeah, um, I, I still have. I don't have time to play games. I've got to say, I did put Red Dead in. I did download the patch. I played it, for, I played, it, played it for about one hour last night. You've done night. more than me already. One hour last night. 
and um, but I get no time to play games really but this one because I just saw it was 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 9.5 out of 10 99 out of 100 it's an overwhelming you know, these, thing yeah. you just look at it and go yeah I, I need to look at this yeah. but I still have Red Dead 1 in shrink wrap yeah, okay. amongst a whole lot of other games I've not played and I hate it because I bought on day one so I paid the and day then, one and price then, and, then you're and they're there, just sitting they're just there they're looking at you and yeah. you can't and it's like oh man and I can't even you know I say to my kids look I know it looks like I'm playing games but I'm working <laughs> it's research exactly yeah it doesn't work what does the future hold where, where to from here for you personally for and, uh, and Big um, End I guess well for Big End it's going to be it's going to be sports road. games um you know, primarily make sports games. Do you see a time where that original IP idea maybe comes back? And oh, we will. And what our original IP, I can tell you right now, <clears throat> our original IP will be a Rocket League. Okay. It'll be something that. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. That's right. Um, it'll be something that is a, a, a made-up sport, as yeah. a fantasy sport. Like Rocket League, it'll be a yeah. fantasy. It'll be a fantasy sport. It'll be an amalgam of takes it takes a simple idea, flips it on the head, makes yeah. a game out of it. Yeah, it'll be an amalgam of the sports we make and and the AI we do and so on, and turns it into to something that hopefully will be esports friendly. Um, that'll be in, our next in a similar sort of fashion to Rocket yeah. League. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be that'll be our original our next original IP. Uh, are there steps already in place to cut? Is that somewhere along? The, oh yeah, the we're always doing yet? it. You, the interesting is so much Working in the falls background. on the cutting floor where you just go you try something you thought was fun on paper yeah, it's not fun Yeah, okay. go back again that's actually one of the biggest problems with games you sort of you're designing stuff and you, you sort of go well that sounds awesome like there's some games I've seen where the idea is so cool that you just go man that's going to kill it but then when you actually play it it's not, not, not to be it's actually not fun but yeah so fantasy sports will That'll be our original IP. Um, otherwise, we'll be licensing Cricket Australia, Tennis Australia, keep and working those deals, you know, and all the keep developing the normal licenses that we we've not been known for, you know, and okay. any others that come down the path. What about you personally? Where do you where do you see things heading at this point? Because like you're saying, um, it's, we're nearly forty years now. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm in the twilight. Where, um, where do you see things heading from here? Uh, for me personally, um, it, I'm actually doing, what doing because it's working. Yeah, it's it's more that um, I'm I've stepped back a lot in terms of I probably have 50% of my week is Big Ant related yeah. and 50% of my week is actually those other responsibilities supporting yeah supporting um, supporting indies um, sponsoring events like well, such, such as what you're doing here which yeah. I don't think we've did we speak about on camera uh, no like, probably not, have probably yet, not. So but it's okay yeah, uh, yeah but uh, look the, the interesting thing is I could spend a whole lot of money at PAX with a stand yeah and wouldn't get us that far so I take the money I would spend on a stand, let's say, and I just support a whole lot of indies. Which is, uh, yeah, I think which, that's great because they're, they're all trying to find their way through yeah. a very messy field of games. Absolutely. And, and, and what, what it does is it allows them to fail. Yeah. Because they're going to fail. They've, they've most, mostly mo- mostly you're going to fail yeah. and you're going to learn from your failure because um, that's how it works. Because yeah. crazily enough... Nearly all of the the major releases, whether it be your Crossy Roads, your Fruit Ninjas, all those major things that have come out of Australia, they've all had something fall over before. Well, yeah, and they've all or been multiple something. They've maybe. all been taught how to do what they do at large studios. Yes, all of them are pretty much large studio veterans that have gone and formed their own smaller indies. So they've got that 
that background. Yeah, they take that understanding and yeah. do something with it. And so indies now that are starting don't have that. They don't have those large studios, um, you, you know, your large Melbourne House Ataris. Um, they don't have those studios to go learn their craft at. So they're doing it themselves. Understood. Failure rate's way higher. Um, so this helps, you know, underwrite the ability to fail because they, they need to fail. They need to learn. Yeah, of course. It's, it's a really interesting story that what you've got here and it's good. it'll be interesting to see how things continue to develop from here. But Ross, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Um, that was another episode of Dev Diary and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Cheers. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Ross Simmons' story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.